Welcome back to our podcast series, Layman to Leader. I'm your host, Jack Nornberg, and today I'm joined by... Raul Perez and Ethan Doyle. Layman to Leaders is a podcast series that is dedicated to understanding the foundation principles of Christian leadership described as character, conviction, and competency. Today's episode will be focused on discussing what competency is, and to end, a discussion as to how competency applies to... To start, we must first define what competency is. One secular definition of competency is defined by author John C. Maxwell in his book, The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. He defines competency as, quote, the leader's ability to say it, plan it, and do it in such a way that others know that you know how, and know that they want to follow you, end quote. Another definition of competency is defined by author and pastor J. Oswald Sanders in his book, Spiritual Leadership. He claims this about competency in leadership. Quote, every Christian is obliged to be the best for God. Like any other worthwhile activity, if leadership can be improved, we should seek to improve it. This definition, combined with Maxwell's definition, is what we should strive for in a leadership position. First, we should be able to do a task set before us, but secondly, if there is room for improvement, we should strive for that, because we are called to be the best for God. This is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Competency of leaders in the Bible. Let's begin with Timothy. Timothy is a figure in the New Testament that always happens to come up when discussing the competency of a leader. Why? Because of his youth. Timothy was young when he was commissioned by the Apostle Paul. We can clearly say that his age came up a lot in the early church because in 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We must ask ourselves this question after reading that verse. If Timothy was so young, then why would he be allowed to teach, preach, and lead the church? Well, if we look at verses 13 and 14, we get our answer. This is what they say. Verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Verse 14, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. We see that Timothy has a gift and has a conviction to lead. He may be young, but he is competent through the power of the Holy Spirit and because he is devoting himself to Scripture. Author Paul David Tripp in his book, Lead, lays out 12 principles for gospel leadership. Principle 4 says this, quote, Teaching your leaders to recognize and balance the various callings in their life is a vital contribution to their success, end quote. Did you catch what Tripp says? He says we must recognize our callings. That is exactly what Timothy did. He recognized his calling and devoted himself to getting better so that he can become more competent for the kingdom of God's work. But Timothy did not use his calling as an excuse to claim he was a good leader. He had to work, learn, and be disciplined in all that he did because in reality, leaders are made, not born. But they are called and they are called by God. In another book by John C. Maxwell, he claims that, quote, successful leaders are learners, and the learning process is ongoing, a result of self-discipline and perseverance. The goal each day must be to get a little better, to build on the previous day's progress, end quote. This is what Timothy did. Also, in Trevin Wax's book, Multidirectional Leadership, he claims, quote, You must assess yourself and learn to recognize where your mental muscles are underdeveloped. Examine your tendencies in order to discern your vulnerabilities, end quote. As a leader... We need to learn what our weakened muscles are and learn to grow them, such as Timothy did. So, with that being said, what are some other examples that you guys have of competency 
in Scripture. Yeah, so when I think of biblical examples of competency, probably the first person who comes to my mind is Nehemiah. Nehemiah demonstrated great competency as a leader in various forms. Uh, He was competent in his endeavor to organize and galvanize people, as well as materials for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. He was competent in his interactions with various bodies of government. Uh, He was competent in his assessing of the work set before him, as well as the execution of his duties. And just overall, Nehemiah was cool, competent, and capable, even when under fire from those inside and outside of his camp. And I would say that this is the positive um, aspect of competency and leadership. The opposite of this, though, someone who is not competent, I would have to say, is Samson. Samson had all the right things going for him. He was gifted, talented, and blessed, but he was not convicted enough to obey the commandments given to him. Additionally, his character was compromised as he was not a man of integrity, and that led to incompetency in his leadership. Yeah, for for me, when I think about leadership, and, and how to become a leader. I often look for for the text in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And I think that uh, when we talk about leadership, what is character, as I said in the previous episode, I look to the, this passage. But I think that for competency, we can learn something from them as well. So in, in those texts, First uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 1, Paul only says one thing that a leader should be competent in. And he says that a leader should be able to teach and to instruct others. Teaching meaning that he is able to proclaim God's word and meaning in the public ministry of pastoral leadership, like preaching the gospel, teaching. Uh, So it's the public ministry when he says able to teach. But when he says able to instruct others, he focuses on the idea of of that pastoral care. So that's that's a little definition of what. Paul is saying right there. And it's something that amazes me when I read this text. Because from all the competent characteristics that Paul could have chosen, he chose teaching and instruct others as key requirements of leadership. A leader should not only know how to communicate God's word, but he should know how to apply God's word to the congregation. A leader should not also teach, but it should love the congregation, give their life for them. So there. Paul's focus in, in in this text is not only teaching in it, in it of itself, but it's the reason on why teaching is important and instruction is as well. And the, and the key point is that we do it, we teach, because by doing so we love the congregation. And and love for the sheep, the, sheep, the congregation, should be a, an, an essential mark of leadership as well. Even Peter, in 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 2 to 3, he says, to the pastors of that church that he was writing to. He says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And I think that that verse in First Peter summarizes well Paul's point in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, which is that a leader should be competent in two things. First of all, a leader should be competent in teaching and instruction. And second of all, a leader should love the people that are following him. In other words, a leader should love their flock. So, yeah, that's how I see competency in Scripture. Amen, brother. Thank you so much for that insight. So, earlier this week, 
Ethan had an opportunity to interview some of the most competent workers in our nation at this time, and that is the United States military. So, Ethan, would you tell us what they had to say about competency? Yeah, so as Jack was saying, um, I was able to go to different recruiting stations for several branches of the military, and at each branch I talked to an NCO, a non-commissioned officer, as well as an officer. And this gave me perspectives through the eyes of someone who is in leadership over others closer to the ground level, as well as those who have authority in the higher echelons of the organization. And here are the questions I asked them. Firstly, I asked them to define competency and then what competency looks like in leadership. Then I asked them what might be some indicators that someone would be a good, competent leader. And then third, I asked them what might be some indications that someone might be a bad leader, would not be competent in leadership. And for legal reasons, I was unable to record these interviews or mention the names of the people I interviewed, but I was able to take notes on each person's response to the questions. Here are some of the key takeaways and commonalities I received. So most people would have agreed that competency looks like understanding your responsibilities, being technically competent in your job, and being able to understand the broader picture. Most people said that these were the defining qualities of leadership. Following this, competency in leadership looks like being able to understand not only the broader picture of what's going on, but also the why behind the mission. A captain in the Army I talked to said, quote, It is important to understand not only the mission's statement, but also the vision behind it. This prevents you from achieving the goal wrongly, end quote. Furthermore, competency in leadership looks like putting people towards the top of your priority list. A staff sergeant I talked to said that, quote, Good leadership is forged out of respect. A leader must be willing to work, not someone who leads from the rear, not someone who takes credit for what they did not do, but someone who is able to lead physically and mentally in any situation. That is true leadership. End quote. He followed on by saying, we have a saying in the army, your audio needs to match your visual. In other words, do what you're doing and embody it for your men. Don't be a hypocrite. And along these lines of respect, one officer I talked to had a particularly interesting statement when he said, quote, you want to create an environment where your men feel respected. You need to be able to plan and communicate in such a manner that instills confidence in leadership. This means managing your men's time well so that you don't make their lives needlessly miserable. Be able to plan well is what I'm trying to say. The way you would do this is by being proactive as a leader, not reactive. This means putting in the work. We're here to work. And we've got to have that kind of mindset, end quote. An additional part of commonality across all the branches was an emphasis on interpersonal communication. This takes shape in being able to communicate clearly and efficiently, while at the same time being able to provide criticism in a way that fosters improvement. A naval officer I talked to said, quote, A leader needs to be able to maintain a degree of professionalism that is universal among their subordinates. To do this, you must be able to control your emotions and the surrounding chaos. End quote. And finally, the branches agreed that a key attribute of leadership is someone who never stops learning. A key component of leadership is being prepared. This means that you must be willing to research, but also able to keep an open mind. A captain in the army I talked to said, quote, The most important things you can do as a leader is not in simply knowledge, but also in understanding experience. He said, I see people go through the military academies or ROTC and come out as officers and think they know what the hell they're doing. Those people aren't half the leader they think they are. Each officer is going to have an NCO in their unit, someone who rose through the ranks the hard way and has an entire career of experience to fall back on. you got to utilize those people. Our military is built off of the NCOs, and they are the backbone of this military. 
You need to be able to understand where your own blind spots and limitations are and utilize others' knowledge in those areas. That means delegate stuff to those who are better equipped to deal with it, end quote. Amen. We certainly are lucky that you had the opportunity to interview such competent people. So we're going to end this episode with one final question. The question is this. What are some signs of an upcoming leader that reveals that he is competent to do his work in the ministry? Yeah, I think that, first of all, we got to start with the idea that no leader is going to be fully competent for pastoral ministry, for leadership. There's no way. Uh, we're sinners. We we need Christ. Uh, and that's the foundational truth of, of leadership. But I think that there are some glimpses that there should be in the life of an upcoming leader. Um, there should be things that should start rising. They don't have to be perfect, but they should start rising in the life of the leader. And I think uh, I think are three things. First of all, I think a, a leader should uh, an up and coming leader should be able to teach. Uh, I think part of what leaders do is to teach others in different ways, by example, by word, by encouragement, uh, by rebuke. So there are many different ways that, that a leader teaches. And I think that uh, an up and coming leader needs to desire to teach others and, and should have that desire in his own life and, and should show that in his in his church or in his surroundings. Second of all, I think that a leader should love the flock, love the sheep, love those that are following him. Uh, he should have a, a devotion towards them, a uh, desire to care for them. So I think in pastoral ministry, you can if you can consider uh, a person for leadership uh, based on how they move in the church, how they influence people in the church. So, yeah, I think going back, teaching, loving. And at the end, I think that... Um, an up-and-coming leader should be devoted to prayer. I have been reading this several weeks. I have been reading about Packer, J.I. Packer, and he really devoted himself to prayer. And I believe that there's not going to be a leader, a Christian leader, who's going to be successful if he's not daily on his knees in prayer. So I think prayer should be essential and should be part of the life of every Christian. But in an up-and-coming leader, it is important to build prayer as a foundational piece on his own life so i will say teaching and and giving instruction loving the flock and devoting themselves to prayer yes thank you so much for that raul ethan what's your take on this yeah so kind of adding on to raul said i would say there's two kind of additional characteristics of an up-and-coming leader uh, and i would say that's perseverance and prayer so if we look at Nehemiah for a second, I mean, Nehemiah's problems were continual, but a good leader continues moving people towards God no matter what. And Nehemiah was just persistent in engaging, uh, trying to figure out solutions to his problems. And the first thing he always did was go to God in prayer. You know, he, he realized what the problems were. He thought about it. He prayed about it. And then he waited and he answered. And I think that that is just exactly why he was a good leader. I think a good leader needs to have perseverance, and he needs to be a man of prayer. Amen. Well, with that being said, thank you for joining us today on the Layman to Leader podcast. My name is Jack Nornberg, and I'm joined by Raul Perez and Ethan Doyle. And this concludes our series discussing the fundamental principles of Christian leadership described as character, conviction, and competency. 
For more information on the sources used in the Layman to Leaders podcast, follow the link in this episode's description. We'll see you next time.